you know you have a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. Season 4, Episode 7. Today's podcast is brought to you by BookLaunchMentor.com. If you have ever dreamed of writing and actually publishing your story, getting it on the on the page, but also out there for everyone, you will find all the mentoring and all sorts of free resource, resources that you'll need at BookLaunchMentor.com. I would appreciate it if you could share your uh, review on iTunes, just a couple sentences, a couple stars, make it happy, and uh, we'll be able to get it into the hands of more folks. If, if you really believe in the podcast and you have been blessed by it, I would just really appreciate that. It would be your thank you to me. Also, if you want to share a little bit of your story, a little fragment of your story, story frag, you can share up to four minutes if you go to marydemuth.com and click on the icon on the right-hand side. There's a little microphone there, and you can record your story, and we feature those at the end of the episodes. Today, I am welcoming Steve Ryder. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about vocation. We talked a little bit about that last week, and Steve's going to talk about today what it's like to kind of have everything come crumbling down, and how do you deal with either you imploding or a career imploding. And he also has had to manage uh, living with someone with a chronic illness. And so he's just got a really strong, solid story. And I look forward to you hearing it. So let's welcome Steve to the Restory Show. Hey, everyone, it's Mary DeMuth with the Restory Show. And I'm so excited to have Steve Ryder with me on today's show. And Steve, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mary, so much for having me. I enjoy listening to your show. As I told you in the past, you have a very NPR-esque voice, and I just, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> now I just have to, you know, NPR has to discover me. That's the only thing. <laughs> so it, tell it'll us. Come. It'll, it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. Tell us a little bit about your own, introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us about yourself. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Southern Wisconsin. Um, my parents raised me in a pretty legalistic church. I have found some that have been much more legalistic. And so about the time I hit my teenage years, I rebelled hard. And my last year of college was when I really came back to the faith. I was dating a girl. I had quit drinking, quit smoking, quit everything and gone straight edge actually. And um, New Year's Eve, 1996, I, I shot her, uh, I called her up quick and I said, hey, what are we doing tonight? And she said, I'm going out with my friends. I don't know. Since you quit drinking, you're not much fun. So I'm going to go out. And so I remember Ouch. just stewing and I remember just stewing in my apartment. I was, I was on my computer on America Online back in, <laughs> back in the mid 90s. And I was just stewing, trying to you know come up with things to do. And finally, around 1150, I slammed my fist down on, on my desk and I said, God, I'm done. I'm 100% done. I'm I'm one semester away from being done with school. I have no idea what I'm going to do. So just take me. I'm yours. <laughs> uh, literally, I want to say it was about three weeks later. I was witnessing to a dude in an AOL chat room. He completely blew me off. And somebody came alongside and says, hey, it's okay. And just kind of gave me some encouragement. And we started emailing back and forth and started developing a little relationship. And then she sent me a picture and I was head over heels. And so her parents lived here in Colorado Springs. And so as soon as I was done with school, I came out. And while I was out here, they mentioned Focus on the Family was here. 
And I kept thinking, focus on the family, focus on the family. Dr. Dobson. I remember Dr. Dobson. My mom was a giant Dr. Dobson supporter growing up. And so I was like, yeah, I like Doc. He was one of those guys that my mom supported that never embarrassed the faith. You know, you had all these 80s preachers and ministries that went off and did stupid things. And Dobson was the only one that didn't embarrass the faith. And so I'm done with school. I got nothing holding me in Wisconsin. I'm like, what the heck? I'll just get my foot in the door to focus. And sure enough, I did. And I worked my way up through the ranks, became Dr. Dobson's chief audio engineer in total work for him 15 years. I left with him to go help start Family Talk when Focus decided to, to finish the leadership transition. Doc had been stepping back, stepping back, stepping back. And they, when they wanted him to finish that leadership transition, I helped him start Family Talk, which was the largest rollout in radio history. And so, yeah. And then money never really came in. I was doing two daily radio broadcasts with half the staff I had at Focus to do one, and it was killing me. Mary, I can't describe the level of hypocrisy that I felt in my heart because here I was working at a quote unquote family ministry. And when I would go home, I had nothing left in the tank for my kids. And it was, it, it just wore on me and wore on me to the point where my last two months that I was there, I went to the doctor and I weighed less than when I started my senior year of high school. That's oh how much the stress had killed me. And so it, it was something that I just, I knew that I needed to step away. I knew I needed to leave. And yeah, so I just stepped out of the boat and turned in my resignation and took a good six months to really recover. And just recently, in fact, in fact, when we were on our, we just got back from almost a three week vacation. And while we were there, um, we mentioned how much, I just mentioned how much I had, I had worked while I was at Family Talk. And my youngest son, who is 11 now, just turned 11, he was five at the time that I left. And he was like, oh yeah, we never saw you. And when we did, and when we did, you were just, you, you were there, but you weren't. So it, it, it was something that I knew was good for my family. And so you have a wife and what kind of children do you have? So I have a wife for, it'll be 16 years in October. And then we have two boys turning 13 in October and then 11. Oh, those are fun ages. I love those ages. Oh, it's awesome. It's great. And uh, my, my wife has dealt with a lot of health issues over the course of our marriage. She has lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, also pulmonary hypertension. And so um, all of those factors, she recently saw a doctor who was kind of uh, somebody that she was referred to. And this doctor looked at her history and everything. And she was like, wait you have two kids because everyone that, that, that she has seen with this sort of history, they don't have any kids just because it is, it's, they lose the kid. It's just bad for the mothers to have, have kids. And in fact, both pregnancies were very high risk pregnancies. And so we are very fortunate to have two, let alone one. Mm. That's amazing. So as you've thought about and prayed about what story you want to share with the Restory Show listeners, what one came to mind? I think it's the way that God has brought me back into media. Because, because, because when I left working for Doc, and, and you got to understand something, I had really around focus and family talk, I had unprecedented access to him. 
because when we didn't get stuff enough done recording in Colorado Springs, Doc would take December and January to go out to Palm Desert, California and just decompress, unplug just slowly catch up on emails and people that he was connecting to. And so when we didn't get enough done here, I'd take a mobile recording setup to Southern California and we'd set up and we'd record the opens and closes for broadcasts. And because it's Palm Desert and because we had to turn off the AC because you don't want the AC clicking on and off on the microphones, it would get kind of warm. And so we'd crank the heat down. We'd crank the AC up as high as we could, get it as cold as possible, start recording, turn off the AC, and then we'd break for lunch, crank up the AC again, turn it off as soon as we got back, and leave it off until we broke for dinner. And when we would break, we'd usually go out, all of us together, and when we were sitting around, we'd all be in shorts, T-shirts, surely make us lemonade. It was awesome. My favorite Dr. Dobson story that I love to tell is we had just broke for dinner and we went to this Mexican restaurant in, 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 Palm, in the Palm Desert area, Palm Springs, Palm Desert area. And all four of us, Dr. Dobson, Shirley, John Fuller, who's the co-host of the broadcast, and myself, we're all sitting around just talking, laughing. We finished dinner and we're going to go to dessert over at a frozen yogurt place. And so when we stood up, Doc and Shirley saw somebody that they wanted to go see. And so they were like, oh, we're going to go say hi. We'll meet you over at the frozen yogurt place. So John Fuller and I peel off to go to the restroom. I uh, peel off to go to the car. I go to the restroom. And when I come out of the restroom, Doc and Shirley are walking about 10 yards in front of me and they're holding hands. Here's a couple that have been married 48 years at the time, 47, 48 years at the time. And I saw how they loved each other. I saw how Doc loved Danae and Ryan. I saw who he was. And I can tell your listeners right now, behind closed doors, when those microphones were off, up in his office, out to dinner, in a car driving somewhere, he was exactly the same person behind the microphone that he was when the microphones were turned off and he was out there in the real world. And so... Here I was, I was at the absolute just pinnacle of, of what I saw my career being. And when I left, I was so completely burned out. If I listened to audio, my ears literally hurt. It was difficult to describe. It's like my body was just like, no, you're not going to be going to do that. Stop. And so I was like, okay, what, what, what am I going to do? Well, about six months after I had left, I, we had a good friend I had a number of friends who, who told me, hey, have you ever thought about being a financial advisor? Have you ever thought about being a financial advisor? And finally, the last guy, I was like, what's the deal? I'm, I'm, I'm a radio guy. I'm an audio guy. And, and, and they said, well, we see a lot of guys in your situation that are kind of in their late 30s, early 40s, looking to shift careers. And I have a good buddy of mine who's a financial advisor in Parker, and he's a full-time pastor, but he's working part-time as a financial advisor. He's now taking his salary completely off the church books. So I just thought of you, man. And so I checked it out, and it just felt it felt right. Both my wife and I prayed about it, and we're like, okay, yeah, career change would be good. And my first year that I was a financial advisor, once I got all my licenses, vets would ask me, hey, what are your numbers? What are your numbers? How are you doing? And I would tell them my numbers. And they were like, whoa, dude, you're killing it. You're absolutely killing it. Well, right around that one year mark, my wife started to get sick again. And all the doctors said that her lupus looked like it was still in remission. 
And so they thought it might be hormonal, and they started treating it as hormonal, but she kept getting worse and worse. Okay, it's not hormonal. It might, it's, we, we think it's blood-related, and so they would keep treating her with over there, and she just kept getting worse and worse. Finally, to the point where it was in the spring of 2014, 2014 or 2015, she went in to University of, University of Colorado Hospital up in Denver, and she weighed 86 pounds. Oh, dear. And the doctors were like, okay, even though – and the doctors up there were fantastic. And they were like, okay, even though the lupus looks like it's in remission, these symptoms are that are manifested, we think they are lupus-related. So we're going to treat it like lupus and just see what happens. And literally within – literally within six hours she was getting up by herself which is something she hadn't done in months she went to the bathroom by herself which is something i had to help her do i had to wash her and take care of her and clean kids and help try and maintain homeschooling and it was just it was a really hard time and but god used that initial success really to just kind of keep us afloat because of the money that i had that i had got under management the assets under management so she got better, and then she got really worse with the pulmonary hypertension, and God really started to reawaken a desire for media and in, in terms of helping people use media to help build their platform, whether it be podcasting, video, YouTube, Facebook Live, Periscope, all, all those technologies. Yeah, so I started to kind of work on that and work on building that. And I had a couple startup ideas, and I started moving forward with one of those. And last year, as of July, I officially stepped away from being a financial advisor and have been working back in media, whether it be audio production, media production, coaching, consulting. And so as you started that new path, which was actually an old path, was there fear associated with that? You know, just a little. Because, because as soon as I stepped out of the boat working for Dobson, I started seeing God take care of us. God take care of us. God take care of us. I had a good four and a half years. I'd say, yeah, about four and a half years of God just consistently taking care of us when I didn't know how we were going to make our mortgage payment this month. And I didn't know how... We were keeping things afloat. I looked at how much we were had coming in and how the bills that were going out, and it didn't look like it added up. Yet at the same time, though, every month we had our mortgage. Every month we had food on the table. Every month we had stuff taken care of. And so I, I had that four and a half years to really look back at and 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 be able to say, okay, God, you took us through all that. I, I know that you're taking me over here, so I, I think I can trust you. Uh, yeah, that's good. It's so good to hear that. And in other words, it's never for nothing. There's never like a trial that you've gone through that doesn't matter or that it, God isn't going to use. How would you say your relationship with your wife through her illness has transformed over the years? And how have you been changed because of it? When I was a teenager, actually 19, 20 years old, I had a girlfriend that ended up killing herself. And I can't describe how those feelings of I could have done something different, guilt, etc. 
and just, just, just continue to drag on. And when my wife got sick that first time, years later, I, I realized that something in my heart changed and I disconnected to a point, not entirely, but, but, but part of me disconnected from her. And it wasn't until between the lupus flare up where she was in the hospital and the pulmonary hypertension flare up when she was in the hospital. In fact, in that year, she was in the hospital for almost five weeks in total up in Denver. And we're here down in Colorado Springs. So it's a full hour and a half one way to get up to the hospital. And so something in my heart changed. I, I had been seeing a counselor and starting to work through a lot of stuff from my past. I had dealt with that a long time ago, but but I didn't deal with the pattern that had repeated itself with my wife. Even though it, w- it wasn't a lot, it was enough that my mother-in-law noticed it. And and this when she was in the hospital for the pulmonary hypertension, I remember her telling me, Steve, I have never seen you this engaged and this there for her. Because I think for the first time in my life, I wasn't scared if she was going to die. I wasn't scared of what am I going to do if, if, oh no, here I go again. So our relationship it is probably the best that it's ever been because I'm serving her in a way that I'm not sure I did previously because I, now with the pulmonary hypertension, she has a, a Hickman line going into her chest and she has to, she has medicine that has to be maxed, be mixed daily, or you can mix up to a week at one time. And so, so for the last two and a half plus years, I've been mixing her medicine and and just serving and never once complaining because there are times where I'm getting ready for bed I'm or I'm in bed and I'm asleep and she's she'll tap me and she'll be like I'm really sorry but there's no medicine okay all right I'll get up and drag my butt over to the living room and sterilize the area mix the medicine and so our our relationship it, it's taken a long time to get here but it's it's probably the best that it's ever been and how has she experienced the Lord in the midst of her pain and her, you know, what she's going through? I can think of two ways in which she's experienced. One with how quickly she's turned around and the healing that we've seen thus far. When she went into the hospital that November, she was, the, as the doctors said, it was an end-of-life kind of situation. She was in congestive heart failure. The right side of her heart had enlarged so much that she was in congestive heart failure. The, basically, pulmonary hypertension is high blood pressure from the lungs going back into the heart. And so, and so that back pressure into the heart was causing the right side of that heart to increase in size, and it started to fail. The, the weird thing is, is when she was in, in March, her heart quote unquote, looked perfect is what they said. I distinctly remember them saying this, that in March, your heart looked perfect. Now here in November, it's significantly enlarged and failing. So something that happened between her, them starting the lupus treatment and her getting better so quickly and that it exacerbated an underlying thing that they had never diagnosed before. And so they had long talks with us and they had a long talk with me about, hey, listen, she's going to have this pump in for the rest of her life and be ready 
prepare yourself emotionally for her not to be around for when the kids graduate high school. And, 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 and so for me, it was, it was, it was a gut punch. Here I am serving my wife and, you know, just taking care of her and emotionally there for her in a way that, you know, I, I probably hadn't been since she first got sick. And so it was a gut punch, but, uh, we saw such a quick healing from that pulmonary hypertension to where a year later she was still progressing significantly. And um, for, I'll, I'll give you an example. In uh, August, September-ish, let's see, it had to have been 2015. We went, the next year, we went to, just her and I, went to Redding, California for the Heaven and Business Conference. And we drove out there, drove down to the Bay Area to go see her aunt and uncle, and then drove up the PCH to see the ocean her to get her feet wet she loves she grew up in southern california so she loves the pacific ocean and um we stayed with a, a, fr- a good friend of mine who used to be the ceo of bethel media and a friend of ours met us at the conference and then came to colorado springs two months later and he said that the she that trip must have been so good for her spirit and her soul that it looked like she had more than doubled in terms of her health and and well-being and in fact literally just uh, the next doctor appointment the doctor was her, her pulmonary hypertension doctor was you know I, I, that hickman line that i said was going to be in there for the rest of your life you're doing so good i'm thinking about moving you to an oral medication and you know um let's let's hold off on that for right now let's keep testing you but i'm really tempted to be taking that out and the next time the next appointment three months later, you're really looking even better. And I'm really tempted to take that thing out. So let's start to get it, work on that path to see if how you start responding to the oral meds. And um, she didn't respond quite with the, how the doctors wanted. So she still has that Hickman line in. But the doctors are so confident that science is progressing so much that they do see an end goal of having pulmonary hypertension cured at some point down the road. And we're still holding out hope that, that God could heal her. So the healing is one of the ways that, that, that she's really been touched by God. The other one is she just has a very positive outlook on life. I mean, we can get shoveled the biggest pile of excrement and she will look at it and dig through it and try and find the gold nugget that's in there. If all things work for the good of those that are, lo- that, are that, that love God and are called according to his purpose, and we love God and we're called according to his purpose. So if all things are working for that good, then what's the gold nugget that's here in this pile of crap that we've been dealt? And one of those gold nuggets that she has found is that she, because of her outlook, she's able to really minister to especially women, mainly women that are going through a very similar situation that don't have that natural, that either have the faith and don't have that outlook, or they don't have the faith and don't have that outlook. And she's found a real sense of purpose in coming alongside people with long-term illness, with chronic disease and chronic illness, chronic pain, and really helping them to just shift their paradigm and shift their perspective of, of what this means for them in their life. And so really, those are the two ways. 
That's awesome. And it's, uh, it's refreshing to hear, especially, you know, it's hard to see God in the midst of difficulties and difficulty and pain and all of, especially when it's you and it's your body that is rebelling against you, so to speak. It's one of the tenets of restory is that we take whatever has happened and then we, we have a so what to it. And her so what is to help others that are struggling. And really in what you said and in, in the perspective, and, and I do believe that one of the hallmarks of the Christian life, one of the greatest hallmarks is one is self-awareness, but the other is gratitude. So if you can be self-aware about who you are and who you are in Christ and your own, you know, mess and all of that is one thing. Another is it, can you find God's grace in the midst of a struggle? And so what a beautiful example that she is to you and to your boys and um, to this world. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm sure you are as well. <laughs> Much more than I am. <laughs> I grew up with, I, I, I don't want to say negative parents, but, but I, I, I grew up with, you know, kind of a glasses half empty kind of perspective growing up. I called myself a realist, but in reality, I was just a pessimist. pessimist yeah. <laughs> and and I, I still am in some ways. I mean, like it, I, having grown up in Wisconsin, I'm, I'm a diehard Badger and Packer fan. And so like a, a couple of years ago, the the Packers were playing against the Detroit Lions, and I, and they were playing horribly. And my wife's in there cheering for him. She's like, "Yeah!" And I finally just gave up. I'm like, "I'm sick of watching this. I'm gonna go play with Caleb in his room." All the time I was in there, the Packers started mounting this comeback, last second hail mary touchdown that she had. F- finally, when they had tied the game up, I think, or they were like one touchdown back, I finally come back out to watch it, and she was like, "You missed all those great plays." You missed it. Don't hold out. Don't don't hold out until the very until there's no time left out on the clock. So she uh, she's still working on me. She's still working on me. <laughs> That's awesome. So you know we've talked about your spouse's illness and we've talked about you transitioning from a very a paycheck and a kind of a prestigious job to financial planning back to. Uh, going back to media and all of that and really having to trust God again for your financial well-being. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who's in that kind of liminal space of, okay, I think God's calling me to jump and do something on my own and be an entrepreneur again. I'm scared. What would you say to somebody like that? You know, I'd say prayerfully, don't, don't take any decision lightly. Don't take any decision lightly in the preparation for that. And when you really feel and, and the people around you that you spiritually trust, when when they give you that green light, when you and your spouse are praying over it and you feel like you've got the green light, take the step out of the boat. Yes, there are going to be times where the waves will hit and you will look like Peter down at the water and not across the water at Jesus and say, oh, I don't think I can do this. My life is a living testament that, you know what, it can be done. It, it, it's it's not easy. And in fact, even I'm not going to say it, it, it hasn't continued to be a struggle because it has at times. In fact, when we got back from our vacation, 
a couple clients and prospects that I had lined up for when I got back canceled or postponed and it got to it. And then my wife found out that, that the attorney that she works part time for is bringing all of that bookkeeping work onto her own plate. And so now what's my wife going to do yet at the same time though, we both have a real sense of peace about this and, and praying for that, that strategic plan for doing what in Deuteronomy 8.18 God says. I've given you the ability to create wealth. Why? So to confirm my covenant. Getting out of that mindset for me of being an employee and a paycheck receiver to somebody that creates wealth is something that um, has been a gigantic paradigm shift for me. And, and, and it's, it's a journey that I'm still trying to work on and still trying to, trying to execute. And um, there are times where it's really good and there are times where it's really lean. But at the same time, though, I'm down here in my office and I have more time with my kids to take a break on a nice day and go out for a 20-minute walk and, and just hang out with them. Or, or, you know, take a take a 15-minute break and go play some Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront on the PS4 with my kids. And, and Or, you know, just kind of go jump on the trampoline with them. I'm never – I remember John Fuller, the VP of broadcasting at Focus, telling me when I decided – I used to coach high school football. And when I stopped when Matthew was born, that very last season, Matthew was born during that last season, um, my firstborn. John said, Steve, you will never regret spending more time with your kids. You're making the right call. And for me, being around here, spending more time with my kids than I did when I was working eight to five, it was really more like seven till seven thirty, eight o'clock sometimes, even an eight to five job. I, when I was at focus and I didn't have all those, all those, um, responsibilities and extra hours on my plate when I had a great team I spend more time with my kids now than I did when I was working at focus and things were quote-unquote hunky-dory and that's really what matters um, people are eternal and spending time with the people that God has surrounded you with and and discipling them and pouring into them is the work that will last beyond our time here on earth. And so making those kinds of investments are not, they're very wise. They're the, talk about investments. <laughs> That's the best investment that you can do. So in the past year, and you've kind of alluded to this, but in the past year, how has God restoried you? I'd say restoried me back into media and really reawakened that love for strategic thinking for speakers, authors, organizations, um, even existing podcasters, you and I have had a number of conversations about, you know, some small tweaks and improvements and and such. And it's fun coming alongside people and getting to know new people and just throwing it out there. Hey, if you need any help, just 30 minute quick phone call. I'd love to just talk and see where your goals are, what you want to do, and just be able to help you out. And just seeing what God does with, you know, just hearing somebody's story and just finding out where they want to go. And if there's a way that I can help them out, that's it's, it's been great. It's been a lot of, a lot of fun the last year. 
That's a great way to end this, the Restory Show today. And thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. And do you have anything you want to add to the to end of the podcast today? Just tell your listeners. I just love to tell your listeners, do good and be awesome. That's awesome. That's something I tell my boys every time <laughs> that, that, that I drop them off at school. I want them, I, I don't want them to be good. I want them to do, do good. good. Yeah. But I want them to be be awesome. I want them to be the best person that they can be. And so that's really the message that I would leave your listeners with is just find little ways to do good and just be the most awesome you that you can possibly be. Love it. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord, for those who are in impossible situations or who come to the end of themselves and don't see a way forward, I pray that you would create a river in the dry wasteland and that you would um, mark a pathway through the wilderness. Lord, we know that you do that, that you specialize in that, that you can do miraculous things. But Lord, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of the the middle of our story and not the finish of our story, we don't have a nice little the end on it. Help us to endure. Help us to understand that um, you send these trials and temptations to grow us and uh, help us to not resent them as intruders, but to welcome them as friends. And Lord, help us to grow the most that we possibly can grow in each situation that you bring us to. Thank you for walking alongside us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like more information about today's show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash four dash seven, and may you live a brand new story this week.